You are listening to episode 83 of the Playing Flop Podcast with Rita Hyland. I continue to be staggered by the numbers. Nearly 90% of workers said they experienced burnout over the past year. This is according to a survey from people analytics firm Visier. More than half said their workloads had increased during the pandemic. The current approach to work and life fulfillment is not working. So what can you do as a leader for your team and its members before they choose to work at another place or leave the workforce altogether? I'm sharing my perspective and five concrete and real steps you can take to create a culture and a team that feels like they belong and they are part of something that appreciates them for more than their results. You and I know you must invest and nourish the root if you want to receive a great supply of fruit. Hello, I'm Rita Hyland, and you're about to discover what it means to position your business, career, and life to play full out. This show explores the way leaders just like you embrace and achieve their ambition without working harder or grinding it out any longer. So if you want to take your life, business, or career to a playing full out status and do so while being the happiest high performer in the room, then hang with me because this show shares everything you need to know using the best of neuroscience, transformational psychology, and a bit of spiritual wisdom to help you change fast, even when it's uncomfortable or scary, or you failed to do so in the past. All this so that you can enjoy more freedom and prosperity in your business and life. I'm happy you're here. When I was 13, my grade school had a Thanksgiving canned food drive for the less fortunate in our community. And each kid in the class was encouraged to bring in at least two canned foods from their home. This meant the school would clear about 400 canned food goods if everyone participated. I recall being a part of the two-can donation system from about age fourth grade on. But when I got to seventh grade, I became interested in seeing if our school could do better. So I began by going to grocery stores and asking them for any extra or dented cans, and I found that I was able to collect quite a bit. I continued by walking the neighborhoods, and I knocked on doors with my wagon and proceeded to collect even more. And I did this ritually daily. Each day, I tried to bring in about 20 cans, And slowly I began to enlist others. I enlisted a friend on my lunch hour to help count the cans that the other classrooms brought in and to track it all. And then I'd write that on the chalkboard and showed the improvement that the school and the classes were gradually making. One day I wondered if I could generate even more enthusiasm. And I recall asking my teacher if I could make it an announcement on the school's PA And I set a new goal of 20,000 cans. And we all sought to energize each other by setting this new vision. And I told them why and how many kids this would feed. Now, one day before I was leaving, my teacher, Mr. Aarons, asked if I'd stay behind. He wanted to talk to me. He said, you know, you have something special and a real opportunity and gift to lead I didn't come from a privileged background, and since I was born, we'd lived in an apartment outside the main community where my friends lived. I didn't walk home from school with them because I was in a different direction, and I don't know that I ever got used to it. Until then, I had had moments, always 
being on the Shire side and wondering my significance. And I had doubts. Am I worthy? Will I ever be more than a struggling girl? Will I ever matter? And that day, I was seen in a new and important way. I knew my parents loved me and they always told me I was important. But being seen by someone like Mr. Aarons made a difference. He was a teacher to many throughout his tenure and many loved him. He was respected and esteemed. And in a simple statement, Mr. Aarons said that I could one day help people who really needed it. He showed that what I was doing mattered. I'll never forget that feeling I felt when I was walking out of the classroom that day because it changed the way I looked at my life and what I wanted to achieve. Now, I tell you all of this because a lot of times we can feel invisible, like we're drifting and wondering if what we do matters. We all have struggles and self-doubt, but in the end, we all want the same thing, and that is to believe that our life matters. We all want our potential to be recognized, and we all want to be given the opportunity to excel. As a leader, this is your job. That is to recognize that the people you lead want to participate in meaningful work. They want to feel that their role is respected and contributes to the advancement of the greater good. So to fuel that, you must see them the way Mr. Aaron saw me. When an employee knows they matter, you inspire them to be better at what they do and to be more confident. So take every opportunity to share with your team how they're beginning to achieve the shared vision. This will give them a new level of engagement and pride in being part of something that's greater than themselves, just like you and me. They want to be seen and know they are worthy. Now, while I believe that talent and competency matter, they are diminished if a leader doesn't express recognition and compassion generously for their team members. If you challenge people to do more than they believe they are capable of, then they will become more. Not, I don't mean challenging them and adding more to them from a productivity standpoint, from a place of stepping into their leadership or their impact and their contribution. See them. Be direct and tell them the truth where they have opportunities for improvement, but also tell them why you still believe in them. I can't tell you how many times I have sat with individuals at organizations who have told me, you know, these are highly talented, but exceedingly underutilized employees. Their organizations are not recognizing them, appreciating them. It doesn't take, it doesn't take a lot of money. I hear about it all of the time. All they really need is a transference of belief and to be seen, to be appreciated. I can't tell you how important that encouragement is celebrating their life moments as well. We spend so much time inside our workplaces and sometimes as leaders, we underestimate that this is sometimes people's identity. This is where they are all of the time. Are they cared for? Are they seen? Are they part of something bigger? Now, right now, I want you just to stop and to do a pulse check. How are you doing with caring for your team and its members? Are you investing in them? There's a phrase that says, if you don't invest in the root, you won't 
receive or produce the fruit, right? We have to nurture and invest. Why is this so important right now? It's because all of the data shows that individuals in the workplace are absolutely burnt out. Nearly 90% of workers said they experienced burnout over the past year, and the workloads have exceeded what people had ever imagined. Productivity is increasing. Don't be a leader who is wondering if people are, you know, getting by doing less. That's not what the data is showing us at all. In fact, it shows that many people sat down in March of 2020 and they haven't left their seat. And because of that, because of their overworking, their overload, their overwhelm, they're experiencing burnout. They're leaving the workforce. They're choosing other types of, of work and in, at different organizations. And so retention in places is, is going down and you will lose people if you're not doing the things to nurture and invest your people. The old world leadership of just getting the tangible results out of people is gone. Again, you, you can't squeeze juice out of a, a turnip. Why this is so important? Again, because when people feel that they belong, that their work matters, and that they're encouraged and engaged with their team members and their leaders, then they feel like they're seen. They, they are able to be trusted and feel the trust. And that leads to, leads to certainty in uncertain times. Now, I want to give you a few ways so this can be very concrete to build the kind of culture and team. I was asked this the other day, you know, how do we do this when we know that, that so many people are burning, you know, burning out and that, you know, we are already losing people. Here are my suggestions. The first one is to engage in the conversation with your team member or members, know what they want. It is your job to know and care about the future that your team member wants to create, right? This means getting real and getting vulnerable. It's imperative that you connect with those on your team because again, this builds the trust, which makes them feel safe. Nobody cares until they know you care. The second strategy is once you know what they want for their future, dig deeper, have them get specific. What does wild success in the workplace look like for them in the next six months or year? No, they're non-negotiables. You know, get, get granular, get real, get the picture. Is it a weekly exercise that's a non-negotiable for them? Is it dropping their kids off at school? Is it getting to their sports game during the fall season? You can always say, I can't promise anything, but I am passionate about you and your work-life fulfillment. And so I want us to continue this conversation. And that's when you take it to step number three, solicit their ideas and their own solutions. Be curious, be interested versus interesting, right? Often those that are closest to the work have the best ideas and the solutions. They're probably better than yours. They're in it. If they want to get to their kids' soccer games twice a week, ask them, if we knew we could do this, if we knew for a fact that this was possible, what ideas do you have for making it so? Bring that question to the table. Be curious of what answers they have. That's you know the incisive question. If we knew for a fact this was possible, what ideas do you have for doing it? 
bring it, bring it up. If they need and want to do, you know, come in at nine because they're, you know, they have an exercise program that they've begun and, and want to maintain, then how can you make that happen? How can you support that? The fourth step is to give them back their power. A lot of times I see leaders make this mistake. They think that they're taking care of their team members by protecting them or making decisions for them. So they'll do things like taking work off their plate or, or, or not giving them a certain level of responsibility because they think, oh, that's too much. I've got to protect them. Well, this does two things. One, it holds others back. It keeps them plateaued and not allowing them to potentially progress. And then the second thing is it sends the message that they can't handle making their own decisions or actions. We want empowered people. We have to empower them, right? How do you know if they can do it or not? You, you trying to keep them from mistakes, that's probably a projection of your own stuff. Didn't you have to make mistakes before you got comfortable and became excellent at what you do? So let go of taking care of others and acknowledge that you're probably really keeping them stuck. The best way is just to simply ask them, are you interested in us taking on this extra project? If it was possible, what other things could we navigate and in what ways? Give them their power back by having the conversation, engaging in the conversation. And the fifth thing that I would say is, is a really concrete step is say the words, what I want for you is. After you've had this type of a conversation where you've engaged in the conversation, you've gone deeper and been asked them to get specific on what it really looks like, their non-negotiables, and you've solicited their ideas and solutions, and you continually give them their power back by having them part of the conversation, that fifth part is acknowledging it and, and saying, what I want for you is, and then genuinely share the vision that you have painted for your team member, which probably and should include something that they've told you. What I want for you is that you're able to maintain your relationships with your kids or be that, you know, the coach for their team and also have excellence in the workplace and hit your goals. What I want for you is, is that you continue to build your confidence in this area. I see this for you. Give them a vision, just like Mr. Aarons did for me. It's amazing what one small piece of recognition or belief, or vision can do for a person. You never know who they'll become because of your investment and nurturance of them. Great leaders are cultivated. We've all had those people in our lives who have contributed to us, not because they've dropped off an extra raise to us, but because they have transferred their belief in us, seen a potential, spoke to and addressed it, and recognized us and it along the way. When leaders are recognized, they become more confident. And when they become more confident, they show up. And when they show up, it affects your bottom lines, mostly because they'll probably have a sense of belonging and they will, you'll retain them. They'll go to the mat for you and they'll usually work harder and smarter for you because they want to prove that the solution that they gave can work that you can have both work and life fulfillment. Of course, don't ask their opinion if you have no intention of, of committing to it or at least attempting. And always remember, you won't get the fruit unless you take care of the root. It's a different day in the workplace. You won't get away with operating with the old approaches of getting as much out of your people as you possibly can. There are other places to work. There are other places that are absolutely living and leading from the heart. 
I'll leave you with a quote I heard from a London economics and political science director, Manu Shafiq, and he said it several years ago. In the past, jobs were about muscles. Now they're about brains. But in the future, they'll be about the heart. As I said, this was said several years ago, so I believe that future is now. The heart means cultivating cultures that care. Your call to action is to set up a meeting with your team member or members and apply the five questions or the five steps above. The byproduct is a team member who knows they're seen and heard, who will build, therefore, creativity and more innovation and answers and solutions to your problem. And this, in turn, will build and make your work and life fulfillment better as well. I'll look forward to talking to you in a couple weeks. Thank you for being with me today. By you listening to this, it tells me you're interested in growing yourself and likely not just for yourself, but to positively influence others as well. If you enjoyed this podcast, go ahead and share this with your friends and colleagues. When leaders like you grow yourself and then grow others, we all are positively impacted. If you have questions, I'm here to answer them and may even use them in our upcoming podcasts. Go ahead. You can send those questions to Breakthrough at RitaHighland.com. Remember, a half version of you is not enough. The world needs the full version of you at play. I look forward to seeing you on our next podcast. 